listening to the Strategies at Work podcast for April 2020. Today's episode is titled, Unequal Yoking Apply. Don't think like a naturalist. Think biblically with metaphysical awareness. Don't be unequally yoked. This is a divine imperative. Wise organizational leaders must always seek alignment with God's will and ways. This is the path to excellence and efficiency. One of the marks of equal yoking is conflict that facilitates improvements. Unequal yoking will produce unhealthy conflict that will manifest in inefficiencies and poor productivity. Equal yoking will empower organizations. Unequal yoking will impair and eventually destroy organizations. Equal yoking is manifested by the right people in the right places, doing the right things, serving the right people in the right way, at the right time, for the right reason. And now, Dr. Chester brings us the message titled, Equal Yoking Applied. Well, this morning we want to conclude our study on building equally yoked leadership teams with a discussion about the application of this, this principle. This is a daunting principle, thinking about equal yoking. It's not something that's normally considered. Uh, in our paradigm of Christianity today, the focus is on evangelism, and there's very little, it seems, uh, teaching or training on how to really grow up in Christ and then be effective as a Christian. Uh, so building equally yoked leadership teams is all about learning how to grow up in Christ and learning how to truly discern the will of God and do it well. So that it has application in every jurisdiction. Application in your family, in your personal life, application in your church, application in the workplace, and application in your community and public policy. So every area of life uh, is touched by this principle, by this concept. So what I want to do is just uh, take a minute here and just give you a sense of uh, how, to, how to think about this. Remember the whole idea of equal yoking um, is all about you know the teaching that comes out of 2 Corinthians 6, which is a command to us to not be unequally yoked. So if we have a command to not be equally yoked, uh, unequally yoked, then the command obviously is to be equally yoked. And that is to be finding people that you can be yoked together with in terms of your worldview, in terms of your calling, and in terms of the purpose of God for your life so that you can do what it is that God created you to do. So let's think about how to apply equal yoking in, in just first the family, and then we'll think about what it looks like in the workplace and public policy, in the discipleship process, and in the process of salvation. I'll try to get through all of that in a fairly short period of time. I may not make it through all of it. I apologize if I don't, but I'll attempt to give you at least a taste of each of these. So let's talk about the family for a second. Uh, parenting. Uh, parenting is the responsibility of the people that bear the children. And increasingly, the culture is trying to strip that away from us and trying to give it to the state. And that's something we must be very rigidly opposed to because we've been called to be equally yoked with our children. Now, when our children are born, if we as parents are, are truly believers, we're inherently unequally yoked with them because they're born in a fallen state. And our job as parents is to try to bring them into an equally yoked state with us by training them in how to live according to a biblical worldview. 
So that's a large part of training right there is just trying to get just children to come to a knowledge of Christ and then grow up enough in that knowledge to where they can walk with some level of discernment and some level of skill and wisdom in the will and the ways of God. Likewise, we want to train our children about how to recognize the right mate. The right mate is always someone that should be equally yoked to you. Now, if you're not very mature, that means you're probably going to tend to draw someone who's not very mature. So one of the keys in training our children and getting our children ready for marriage is help them to mature, help them to grow up, help them to get grounded in Christ. And as we do that, then they're going to tend to draw people that are equally grounded in Christ. So that's a, that's a real high priority. When you've got a child that's not spiritually tuned in and they're ready to get married, that could be a real problematic thing because they're not really going to be at the level where they'll draw mature people. So the thing to do is to try to encourage them and pray for them and counsel them to really make, a, make it a priority to grow up in Christ. Now, if they don't do that and they go ahead and get married, don't worry, God's a redeemer. Uh, they, they'll probably have more bumps and bruises that way, but that sometimes is the way people have to grow up. We want to apply equal yoking to hiring. Uh, this is a really problematic thing for most people because most don't, don't view work as anything that has spiritual components to it. They think work is just something you do in the natural. You just find somebody qualified for a job and you hire them. And the qualifications are basically do they have the skill sets. And that doesn't work. Even pagan companies are realizing that doesn't work. So they're beginning to look for more than just skill sets. They're looking for character. They're looking for value systems. They're looking for more intangible qualities. And they know if those intangible qualities don't align with, with them, then they're going to be unequally yoked. They may not call it that, but that's what it's going to be. And the mark of unequal yoking is always conflict. And conflict is, is diametrically opposed to efficiency. More conflict, the less efficiency. The more equal yoking, therefore, the less conflict, the more efficiency you have. So when you begin to see that as a manager, you recognize this is a powerful principle to begin to hire people based on equal yoking. And, of course, the best way to hire people is to find people that have C4 to do whatever work that is you're, you're, you're needing done. Many times you can't find a C4 person, so then what do you do? Well, the thing you do then is you try to find someone who's got the potential, the potential for that. And the way you qualify them is, will they let me disciple them into that potential? Having potential is not enough. You've got to have a relationship where you can disciple them into that potential. They have to be humble, submitted, and teachable. If they're not that, then you'll never be able to disciple them. They'll never realize their potential, and you'll just have conflict with them. So C4 is by far the best way to go when you're looking to hire someone to do anything. If you can't get that, go for someone that you can see or you believe has the potential for C4, and they will let you disciple them into that. Likewise, electing public officials. In the realm of public policy, we have to keep in mind the purpose of public policy is to put a context in place for individuals, families, churches, and businesses to do what God's called them to do. 
So the purpose, according to Romans 13, is to do us good. That's the way Paul expressed it. And good is a divine attribute. So to do us good means to do things that facilitate alignment with God in us, individually, families, businesses, churches, and in our businesses. So in every area of life, we're going for alignment. So you want, we want equally yoked leaders in, in our, as our public officials who are seeking to promote laws that align with God and that promote alignment with God. Even if the people don't want those laws, it's like raising children. You know, you don't let children make the rules. The parents make the rules because parents make rules that are for the good of the children, even if the children don't want the rules. And that's what government officials sometimes have to do for societies as well. So the, in every jurisdiction, equal yoking can be seen as relevant and a key principle for helping us make wise choices. Now let's just focus for a minute on discipleship. In discipleship, the key to discipleship is relationships where you see people who are humble, submitted, and teachable. If you see that, then you have a chance to help them grow up and mature in Christ. Help them engage in the discipleship process. And the discipleship process is a, a long-term process. Just like it takes about 20 to 25 years for somebody to grow up physically, it probably takes 20 to 25 years for most people to grow up spiritually. It's a, and that's, that's assumed they're committed, that they're serious, they're, they'll really, really submit to you. And that's, that means that this is the way God has designed the universe to be. So as you think about life, you know, a good way to think about it is it takes you about 25 years to grow up physically, another 25 years to grow up spiritually. So by the time you're age 50, if you have been wise and had good parents, natural parents and spiritual parents, applied yourself to growing up in Christ, applied yourself to discern the call of God in your life, applied yourself to mature as a believer, then you've got something to give. The next 25 years of your life from 50 to 75 should be prime time. That's when you should be most effective at fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. So when you get to that point, you will have learned some really, really key lessons. And one of those key lessons is the lesson of being able to see reality correctly. You recognize that there's always spiritual reality at work in every situation. It doesn't matter what it is. Always spiritual reality at work because we have a God who is engaged with his creation. And he never, he's never not engaged. He's always engaged, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. When Jesus died on the cross, God was engaged in that. There was a purpose being fulfilled in a horrific event like that. So it doesn't matter what's going on. God's engaged. And hopefully, if you've grown up in Christ, you recognize that. Secondly, <clears throat> seeing it isn't enough. You have to understand it. So you need metaphysical awareness. You know, you can be aware there's a, that God has this perspective, but you may not have a clue what that perspective is. So you've got to have grace to gain his perspective. That comes from being a great student of the word, learning to pray effectively, learning to walk in community, you know, learning to truly be an effective disciple of Christ. And as you do that, you begin to see reality correctly. You understand reality correctly. And now you can draw the right conclusions. You will never draw really sound conclusions until you can see reality correctly and understand it correctly. 
and that once you can draw right conclusions, then you can make right choices. So that's the four-step process of discipleship that you should learn as you grow up, and then when you become a discipler, you should be discipling others into that process. See reality. There's always spiritual reality at work in every situation. Understand it. Be able to interpret that spiritual reality correctly. Understand what's being said by God, what he's doing, what is he communicating. And now draw the right conclusions from that and then make the right choices. Now, being able to do that well, that opens the door now for the next step, which is the should versus the could. You see, as a disciple, you have got to learn to distinguish there with the should versus the could. The could are all the things you can do based on your skill, your ability, your talents, your background, your experiences, your relationships, your opportunities, everything that God puts into your life. It's right there. All these things you could do, but you're not called to do everything you could do. You're only called to do certain things. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's it. I only do what I see the Father doing. You think about all the things he could have done. He could have eradicated all disease. He didn't do that. He eradicated some, but not all. He could have cast out all the demons. He cast out some, but not all. He could have eradicated all poverty. He did a little bit of that, but not all. He could have thrown out the Roman army that occupied occupied the, the, the nation of Israel at the time and freed it from Roman occupation. He could have done that. He could have healed all the diseases. Did some, didn't do all that. He could have traveled the world with his message. He traveled a very small area with his message. So you see, wow, I mean, the world would look at that and say he's an underachiever. From a biblical worldview, we recognize he did what the Father directed him to do. He only did what he should do. He didn't get distracted with things that he was not called to do, but he could have done. So he made that distinction between should and could. That's a powerful sign of wisdom as a disciple, when you can distinguish what you should do from all the things that you could do. So that's what you want to do is personally, and you want to train others to be able to do that as well. Now, equal yoking is also a very powerful thing, and not only discipling people, but also is powerful in helping people understand the whole gospel message. You know, I think by and large, the professing Christian world does not understand the gospel well. And the evidence of that is all of the fretting, fearful people in the body of Christ. You know, that is all coming about because people think in some way they have to perform to gain God's acceptance. They do not understand the gospel of the grace of Christ. So the goal in salvation is always not how many people can I get to say the sinner's prayer, but how many people have I been called to take deep in Christ, to get a profound revelation of the gospel, to really understand grace, and then really walk in that grace? Because now you have somebody who's going to grow up who's going to go deep, who's going to be profound, and who's going to be effective in the kingdom of God. So equal yoking there is a very important thing as you discern who it is that you are really called to disciple. You see, discipleship is about growing up in the gospel, 
That's the message. That's the agenda that God has for that. Now, the last thing I want to mention here is the peace in the storm. Now, some of us, in fact, all of us at some point will have some unequally yoked relationships. You have some people are going to have unequally yoked relationships a lot. Somebody like Daniel. Daniel had a, a calling to serve pagan kings all of his life. He did that for decades. And some people believe it was more like 40 or 50 decades he served these pagan kings. He never had an equally yoked relationship in his work or in his, in his public policy, the sphere he lived in. And he was persecuted because of that. People were jealous of him. People tried to do, do him harm. But in the midst of it all, he was able to be at peace in the midst of the storm. He can be thrown in a lion's den and still be at peace. So God gives us grace for the places where we are, have been assigned to be unequally yoked. Where you've been assigned to be unequally yoked, you don't have any authority to change it unless God grants you that authority. So one of the things to consider as you're recognizing, looking at life, a general principle is wherever you have authority, what the uh, New Testament Greek calls exousia. That's the Greek word for translated authority in English. And it literally means power of choice. So wherever you have power of choice, you want to go for equal yoking. Where you do not have power of choice, then you're going to be unequally yoked and you've got to know God will give you the grace to deal with that. But if he gives you the grace to move out of that and become equally yoked, then certainly you want to look at that and take advantage of that. But if you don't have that option, you are in bondage in some situation like Daniel was all your life, there will be grace to walk on water in the midst of the storm. You can have peace in the midst of the storm. You can be in the lion's den and be at peace with God. So this is the principle of equal yoking and how it applies. It applies in every area of life. If you want to do well in life, you will do your best work in the context of equally yoked relationships anytime you can be in those relationships. When you cannot be in those relationships, be prepared. You will have a lot of conflict. Conflict is the mark of being unequally yoked. When I say conflict, I'm talking about unhealthy conflict, destructive conflict. There is such a thing as healthy conflict. Iron sharpening iron is healthy conflict. You know, competition done biblically is healthy conflict because it draws out the potential in us. It hones us. It makes us sharper, makes us better. So that's a good thing. We want that. We want to embrace healthy conflict. Unhealthy conflict conflict just saps us for energy, it distracts us, it makes us less efficient. But God gives us grace for those assignments. If you are assigned to that, and you will be in certain areas, you will have grace to deal with it. And you can trust that God will be good through it. So this is the principle of being equally yoked. It's a powerful, powerful principle of God's reality. And may the Lord give us grace to learn how to live in this reality of being equally yoked, being yoked together with those who have a worldview based on Christ, who are called to work together, who have skill and ability that complement each other, 
and who authority figures have said, yes, you are supposed to be part of that team, part of that organization, part of that project, whatever it is. If you see the equal yoking coming together, you know there'll be favor to do some excellent work that God values. And that's the only thing, kind of work you want to do is the work that God values because that's the only work that will endure. So may we have grace to learn how to truly be equally yoked and seek those relationships. And may we have grace for our assignments when we are assigned to be unequally yoked, to be at peace in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name, amen.